Good afternoon. This is Moss Whelan and Story in Mind. And just getting out for a daytime walk. Why? Why, Moss? Why? Because uh, it... It's not as cold. That's that's one reason. Uh, it's high noon-ish, so it's there's a lot of uh, light, a lot of sunlight, and it is a bit noisier out. But um, it's it's a blue day sky, a blue day. Uh, so, topic-wise, I was bumbling around in my brain, and tree popped up, or trees, and immediately I went to Tolkien's trees, and there's such a great uh, reverence, uh, there's a great preoccupation with trees, uh, especially in The Lord of the Rings. There's a lineage of trees, and I was, I was just remembering there's this brief moment where a tree is found that replaces I, th- I think it's, um, I think it's, there's this tree at, I, I could have the names totally wrong, but I think it's at Minas Tirith, it's Denethor, and there's this tree that stands, it's, say, you know, symbolic of the, of the, uh, kingdom, I guess, but it's, it's pretty much dead, and the, the flip side is that we have the, uh, discovery of a a kind of, a descendant, uh, of, of that tree, and, and the terminology speaks of the trees, as they, as though they are um, people, and then we ha- we have the the gift of the tree. Uh, I think it's given to Sam that he takes this tree, and is it a Malorn? And he takes the tree to back to the Shire. I think it's as a replacement for the the party tree. That has been taken down. And then of course there there are the the tree the the ants tree beard and the mysterious uh ant wives. Uh there's I think it's old man willow. You know, this semi-sentient 
tree and there's there's this sense of uh, leaving leaving the shire going out uh, outside of this sort of hedge fence into the barrow downs I'm, I'm impressed that I'm remembering all of this but but throughout there is this presence of of trees there's these arcs and connections and these go back to the Silmarillion these um, the, the two trees I can't remember names or much of but I just remember that there's these two trees and I think that they did they create sort of they provided a light kind of I remember they were replaced with uh, lamps. Uh, but that's that's all a bit foggy for me. But there's this... I, I always got this sense of lineage. And... Yeah, so that's a an example of trees. Why, why the preoccupation with trees uh, in Tolkien? Why is it so important to have these, you know, the elves are giving a gift of a tree seed? Why is it why is it Oh, you say, where is it? Yeah, where is it coming from? This notion of a tree. And I kind of, I'm, I'm exploring here a bit, but I kind of think it, it's, it's a bit of combination of a couple, a couple different origins, uh, origin myths, uh, cosmology, which is the the makeup of people's people's belief, you know what the you know is it is the world on the back of a turtle and things like that. So the two the two trees I'm thinking of are. First, it would be this world tree of the Norse. So from Norse mythology we get Yggdrasil, which is this massive, I think it's an ash tree, and it's, uh, it is, it is the, it supports and connects various uh, worlds uh, it connects Midgard which is Middle Earth and it uh, connects that with Asgard which is this dwelling place of the, the deities 
uh, and it, it's connecting with the, the underworld. And this, uh, this tree, uh, it's, it's this axis, or axis mundi, it's this center, uh, another word for it is umphalos, which is kind of like a, a navel, and that, you know, the, everything is centered around this uh, tree. Um, it's in some belief systems, it's a it's a mountain, or it's a it's this sacred center that everything is sort of spinning around, and it it's not just the Norse that have this uh, tree, uh, the the Hungarians have a version of it, and it, it seems to go back, like say, um, connecting, so this, this belief is spread out and it's, it's connected to a lot of different people. Perhaps the tree that we see in the, uh, the Old Testament uh, in Genesis, which Tolkien was connected to, yeah, you know, perhaps, perhaps there's a, a far back uh, connection there to this notion of a, a, a tree that, uh, Well, uh, in, in that case, it's it's a tree that is forbidden, you know. So you're not supposed to <clears throat> you're not supposed to eat the fruit of that tree. Uh, and there's uh, other uh, references to trees in mythology, such as. There's, there's the golden bough, this notion. Um, it was a book based on this idea of golden bough, and I believe that's connected to Venus, which I keep returning to. Uh, and what? Um, where... Where I'm getting it from is this, the golden bough shows up in the Roman epic, epic poem, the, it's, it's, it's Aeneas, this Trojan, uh, Trojan hero who goes, goes on to have this journey and uh, establish Rome, or at least that the emperors of Rome are connected, mythically connected to this lineage. But at, at one point he has, I think he's given this golden bough, this branch from this tree.
and I I feel like I might be a bit wobbly on on the the, the total facts the total uh, but I I have these memories that it's it's, it's a, connected to uh, a tree. We're coming up to the annual celebration involving a tree. The Christmas tree, which I believe is Germanic. And possibly, probably uh, going, going back to the, the belief of a world tree whether it was something like the Norse or something different I believe the Germanic version they have this um, symbol and it's a tall pole and then at the top it splits off into two sides and it's called uh, Ermansil it's the I-R-M uh, I think it's I-S-U-L and that's that pops up or crops up when you're looking around for the uh, examples of the world tree so that's this you know, Germanic variety. And I don't see that many examples of uh, the Norse version. Like, say, I'll, I've seen a lot of modern interpretations, like, um, almost like maps, but I haven't seen something that's very just a simple, symbolic. And feel free to point me in that direction. Um, the Germanic one. I've, I have seen the uh, the Germanic world tree symbol. And uh, a Hungarian one. I've seen the you know, ancient illustrations of the uh, Hungarian version. And those, those are just European. Uh, tree, tree symbolism shows up all over the world, and it's it's obvious. You know, from trees we get food, we get wood. Where I live, in Vancouver, the trees were and are hugely important to the native people of uh, Vancouver. Uh, it was their natural resource. Cedar trees were used, the bark was used, uh, woven into clothing. Um, I believe they have these wonderful hats here, these uh, sort of sloping, slanted hats. And I'm trying to remember if they actually were made from cedar. They're woven. I suspect they might not be cedar. 
but a, a big um, couple big other uses. So you have clothing, you have utensils, um, you have bowls, things like that. Um, boxes actually were made. Uh, then you had uh, just totem poles that are, you know, that's a famous image around the world. And the totem poles were conveying, and not just were, but are, um, just just a couple blocks away. There, there's a, a carving that's being done for a community center. And so it's a tradition that continues. Uh, uh, one of the other big ones, it's using them for houses. So, you know, your shelter and your um, transportation. They have, you know, there's still dugout canoes are still being made. And... So it's, especially here, it's such a huge, um, a huge part of the culture, or a part of, uh, it's a resource, it's, it's deeply, deeply embedded, and there's a, there's a reverence for it that I can see just as much in uh, Tolkien's work. One symbol that I've I've seen for the tree of life is in Celtic knot work. And this would be coming from the UK pre. Um, it's pre it's pre Roman, but it actually washes over. Uh, you know, knot work continues; it doesn't stop, and. So you'll, you'll find it later showing up uh, in churches, in manuscripts, this, you know, the art and the illustration. But the one I'm thinking of, it's called the Tree of Life, and it's, it's this kind of vine work that weaves and reaches out. But it's, it's obviously important uh, to so many people. And two, you know, we don't really know why. An example is the street, the couple of streets I walk on every day. And, you know, we, we, we blow uh, money every year on, on these trees on the street. And... Uh, you know, taking care of them. Uh, the branches were just sawn off and chipped up. Uh, all, all with the intention of, you know, keeping these trees. And so, you know, so we have these. So I, I, I walk down this. You know, these avenue of trees and it's it's 
something that goes back you know, quite far. I I wonder if I wonder if it's a, if it's a kind of sort of comforting uh, ancestral memory, you know, say that we sort of pass down from generation to generation this this idea of you know oh you have a park you've got to have some trees uh, you, have, you know you have some big big fields to play on but where I am there seems to be this interest in trees uh, the city has even dubbed it uh, an urban forest we have an urban forest that we're taking care of One of the great characters in, uh, oh, I was, I was just remembering, the, the language, um, there's a, there's a written language that's, I believe it's connected to Gaelic, uh, I'm trying to remember exactly where it is, Scotland, maybe, maybe Wales, but anyways, uh, there is what's called uh, Ogham, and I'm probably not pronouncing that right, but it's it's this written, um, more kind of runic uh, that's often found on stones and. Alchem is actually this um, uh, trees. So each each of the symbols, each of the runes, is uh, a tree. So it's a it's it's almost like a, a tree kind of language, and I always connect that with uh, the druids, who were apparently uh, these tree worshippers. I always wondered, though, if, if the whole mistletoe thing uh, was true. Uh, supposedly, druids would cut uh, mistletoe and it would fall and they would catch it um, in these sheets or blankets. And uh, before, it, before it hit the ground, and the mistle, mistletoe continues. I, you know, just just a couple of years ago, I saw it being sold up at a supermarket. You know, you could buy these little packets of mistletoe. And there's an interesting tradition there, where you know you hang the mistletoe. I usually saw it hang, uh, being hung. Uh, under a doorway just like tacked up and that it's the tradition the the ritual is you know that it, if you're not careful you know somebody's going to kiss you when you're underneath the mistletoe 
and you know, of course, that's that's screaming a fertility ritual. Uh, and and why not? But uh, mistletoe, from what I remember, it's it's a it's a parasite, so it's. It's living off of the tree. And I believe it's, you know, just traditionally the connection with druids is... The, the connection with druids is that uh, it's oak trees. So the mistletoe would be uh, found in these oak trees and then cut and then fall and then caught. I don't know about you, but my first Druidic experience was with Getafix in the Asterix Noblux comic books uh, from France. I believe they're from France. And I, you know, it's it's the it's this image of this old man, and he has a sickle. Right, that he goes off and he collects his, uh, his various herbs and spices that he used to, uses to make this magic potion. And he's a, he's a wise old guy. He's this kind of physician, kind of witch doctor. But, but that title of, of Druid, it holds, it holds a sort of particular, uh, specific kind of meaning. Like say, if, you know, if you say wizard and then you say Druid, you don't, you know, they don't necessarily fit together. There's a difference between them. I believe it's in Wales that there's a druidic tradition that continues and there's contention but there's also something there as far as uh, oral tradition um, because it's it's connected to poetry and I quite like that because Homer the Greek poet uh, it's it's believed that the the original tradition uh, that we get Troy from and the Odyssey that that originally that was an oral tradition and it's it's difficult to completely sort of say wipe out or. Um, subjugate a culture that there are these remnants that, that people hold on to uh, or say it's adapted you know by the by the religion you go and you you build on the old temples and you find the places of uh, power and you build your castle there
I was going to say, uh, one of the great characters in Lord of the Rings is, is Treebeard. And there's this wonder, wonderful notion that, say, some, some trees, there's a sentience to them that, that trees used to be really um, sort of animate, really sentient, uh, conscious. And, oh, there's a bunch of crows. They seem to be scaring off. It looks like it's tribal, tribal warfare, something. Right, uh, I believe in fantasy there's a term for you know this trope of the that that magic has left or magic is weakening is on the wane and i can't remember it at the moment but there's an actual term with within fantasy literature for this and in Lord of the Rings, uh, that's what's happening. Is that you know, at the at the dawn of the world, there was a lot more magic, you know, enchantment, and I guess for Tolkien, it would be less magic and more enchantment that the land was alive, like in the sense of uh, could speak and had this ability to communicate probably probably the animals as well uh, I don't know about stones but uh, plants such as the, such as the trees I can remember growing up, there was this, I think it was a, a poster or a picture that I kept seeing uh, for years, and it was the Brothers Hildebrandt, these artists uh, who did a lot of illustrations of Tolkien, and more more on the level of fa uh, fairy tale. I always felt like I was looking at something that was uh, more along the fairy tale or fantasy rather than realistic. Uh, but the picture I saw was of Treebeard, and he's giving Merry and Pippin, the two younger hobbits, he's giving them some, I think it was, was it Entwash or Entdraft, this glowing liquid. And I believe that he, he was sort of framed as, or kind of called a shepherd, so that he was uh, acting as a kind of shepherd to these 
younger trees and less uh, sentient trees. And in that sense, too, kind of a forester or a protector of the forest. It, it was... I, I like the contrast between what Tolkien was doing versus what C.S. Lewis was doing. You know, C.S. Lewis had these uh, representatives of, of nature... I believe he had dryads, which are these Greek nature spirits that represent or uh, are an expression of trees. I remember reading a book a long time ago that said that the word druid came from the word for oak. But just recently I looked up druid and uh, in, in a, an actual dictionary of et- etymology and it, it didn't say that. So I'm wondering if that's kind of a, an imagined um, or I'm wondering, you know, well, where is that Where's that notion coming from? Uh, perhaps it's poetic, you know, or perhaps somebody's kind of reading into it. What is that called in etymology? When it's, you know, there's a, a belief that a word sort of comes from something, but it actually doesn't. Oh, this Starlings. These uh, small, kind of like robin-sized birds. I think they're European. I swear that I'd never seen them before. Something like twenty-five years ago, and then all of a sudden they seem to be everywhere. That's the one thing about. Vancouver is that we have something of a, a mix of trees. Uh, people will bring trees and there's a there's a concern that much like say bringing you know uh, birds uh, animals from a country that doesn't have have them here, and that all of a sudden you might have this competition with other species. Something that happens to these trees on this couple of streets is that uh, every year we get these small green uh, caterpillars that just punctuate. (laughs) They punch holes uh, in the leaves. And I believe that it's connected to the moths that pop up out of the ground in uh, November. But you can actually hear these caterpillars, uh, the trees rustle 
There's so many of them eating the leaves of the trees. And I, I sort of wonder if the, the trees on this street are indigenous. I believe that's the term. You know that. I suspect that um, some of them aren't. the The trees that I know are from here. Uh, like obviously, it's cedar, and uh, there's a lot of evergreens. But we do have we do have some that aren't. I don't know why I'm talking about this now, but the part 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 of the the rainforest, because this is this is a rainforest here. We get so much rain, or we get enough rain that it's considered a rainforest. And then we have the forest itself. Uh, we end up with uh, a lot of wood, and there's a greater awareness of it as a resource. Um, I, re I remember when the, the you know the logging um, lumber industry began to use, or perhaps they always use this terminology, but it felt like they started saying that they were, uh, instead of logging, they're harvesting. And I had some, I had some friends, uh, my old artist friend, Corby Cuff, you know, he would go off and he would go tree planting. And it, hard work, but good money, especially if you were good at save, saving the money. Uh, and and that was a that was a new development, um, I believe, in response to people's concern. Because if you just take take take, and so all of a sudden we had these new terms, you know, tree planting, tree planters and then uh, harvesting. And, oh, there's a squirrel. A couple of environmental things that have, bits of information that have cropped up about trees that I didn't know was that one of them was that when it gets too warm, trees will start uh, producing CO2. So rather than oxygen, and I believe that's called something about cycle feedback. I think it might have been carbon cycle feedback or carbon dioxide cycle feedback. And there's this, there's this great hope of trees that trees will, um, you know, if we could just only plant more trees, that, you know, that, that's going to fix the problem. And 
as long as as long as things don't warm up too much but they will work the other way if it gets too warm I thought that was something interesting and I hadn't heard that before another tidbit was that when when there's a radical shift of temperature that many plants don't have time to adapt that you know say trees would move north or move wherever the the climate is best and that that would take a, a long period of time whereas in a kind of drastic change of temperature that the trees don't have time to adapt and uh, and move which sort of makes one think of tree beard uh, you know and ants or ant wives sort of walking to where the hello are you going for a walk yeah <laughs> It's a little shaggy dog. Uh, And and there is a there is a kind of sentience going on with trees. Um, You know, they're able to defend themselves and communicate, um, releasing chemicals Uh, and of course you have all kinds of different uh, you know adaptations and animals evolving to adapt to the plants and plants changing to adapt to say problems with animals or parasites or um, you know one of the nicer symbols is of a of a tree that you know seems is branching out uh, up top and branching out below and there's a sense of uh, connectedness that this symbol of nature is is connecting everything and there's concern with say you know rainforest in the Amazon and Just thinking back to Tolkien's uh, concern about industry and chopping up, chopping down trees and putting up factories, and I remember there was a there was a book, a great title. Um, it was the the name for 
the name for world is tree. It's something like that. I've seen it a number of times, and I've always meant to, to read that one. Getting close to wrapping this up. One, one idea or notion that I like playing with is the family tree. That we are uh, <clears throat> that that the tree is so you know connected to us by this notion of, you know, your family branches out. And, you know, language is considered to have branches. And that's continuing on with this huge web of life that's branching out from our ancient... uh, origins in the primordial ooze. And it's a it's a comforting thought. I, you know, it's probably not, you know, the perfect <laughs> thought, but it's a comforting thought that nature lives on and I think even if you're if you're thinking of you know your own existence or the you know the continued existence of your species uh, your family your community um, your people human beings um, I, I find comfort that nature uh, will survive Nature bounces back. And of course, I, you know, I hope that we can uh, take better care of, of what we have. It, and to, you know, it it gets to that point where it's a, that it's essential, right? And, and it becomes obvious. Sort of, oh, okay, what can I do to take care of, uh, you know, this environment? I, I sort of poo-poo the the smaller stuff, like um, recycling or, oh, you know, don't. Yeah. I, for a while, I was really concerned about tree paper. I've gone through these phases of, you know, I'm very concerned about this, that part of the environment. And now, n- now I've gotten to the point where I'm, uh, I'm seeing that educating people, that that's important. 
big big change though is you know, that's going to require everybody working together, and it's going to require an engineering feat, uh, which is there's other words for it, but I I quite like the the notion of terraforming and that perhaps it involves trees and using trees to uh, using trees to balance things and uh, I'm not an expert in that field but I know what I like and I like trees <laughs> I'm, I'm there with Tolkien trees are good <laughs> I think that's the thing, too, is that when you, um, when you have the, the option, like say, when you're in um, a city, you know, gray and dingy, and then you can find a, a place that has trees, that is... That there is something uh, comforting going on, and it's hard to say exactly what. Uh, but it's a it's a it's a better world with trees. That in in contrast. So here's here's to trees, and here's to writing about trees. Here's to, you know, actually getting some trees into stories and celebrating trees. All right, thank you for listening, and keep up the great work.